UPS, powered by SET. Today on Line Noise, we bring you a returning guest. Possibly our first returning guest, in fact. It is none other than Zora Jones. Last time she joined us, uh, it was with Jaylin. And today she's come back online noise to talk about her brilliant debut album, 10 Billion Angels. Welcome once again to Radio Primavera Sound. Uh, and I'm very pleased to say we have a returning guest, someone who uh, graced line noise years and years ago now. I think it was 2016. Uh, we were very pleased to have her then. We're even more pleased to have her now. It's Zora Jones. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me back. It's an it's absolute well. pleasure. Was it 2016? Um, I, wow, I don't remember, but I remember I was still living in Barcelona, so probably around that time, 15, 16. I remember we were in my old apartment um, with the red floor, which was really cool. <laughs> Galen was staying at your house. True, yeah, she was over. That was fun. It was cute. So a lot has gone on um, since then, a uh, hell of a load of things. Uh, in in yeah. 2015, you released your debut EP um, and your debut album, 10 Billion Angels, followed uh, in 2020. Yeah. That, that's a, it's a long gap. Would you call yourself a perfectionist? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I like to, well... I strive to make great things, you know? So I try to make everything as great as it can be. So in that sense, I suppose it is perfectionism. Although um, I'm not sure if you can ever make anything perfect in in music or in art. I think you can just try to make the best thing you can do and then say, okay, I have to let this out now, I have to let it go. But how long did it take to actually make the album? I mean, is it a process that's been ongoing since 2015? Or was it like sitting down one day and thinking, right, I need to, to get on it? No, it was actually that long. I think I worked on it for four years, you know, so it was just, yeah, it took that long, but I kind of also needed it to take that long. You know, I learned a lot along the way. Um, I think I learned a lot about making music. Uh, I don't know if I enjoyed it taking so long, to be honest, and that was fine with me, so. One thing that really struck me about the album is you've collaborated with loads of different people in your in your um, lifetime making music but as far as I can see on the album it's just you yes um, <laughs> was that a conscious decision just to do it all you yeah absolutely it's like um, if I was a fan I would want that from myself I think at the moment because I have collaborated with so many people and also my first album should be okay what what is Sora Jones about right what's the best thing or the most rounded album she could do and that's what I tried to do you know I tried to really you know make a great album that kind of explains my musical world and where I come from musically and what that entails you know because that's something you can do with an album way better than you could with an EP because you have more time you can really tell certain stories and you can fit all types of different emotions or you know feelings into the thing more than in in an EP, so I really took that opportunity to make it my my own. And you said, "What is Zora Jones all about?" Um, to turn that question on back on you, what is Zora Jones all about? Uh, I don't know. It's like just listen. I best best just listen to my music and figure it out. Because <laughs> I don't like describing it too much anyway. It's super hard for me to describe my own music. So. Um, 
Yeah, I think I have a pretty long backlog at this point. It's a couple of hours of music, so best thing just to go listen and, and see see how that makes you feel. <laughs> well, another thing that really struck me about the album that I really liked actually was it's quite a melancholy listen, um, and <laughs> feels quite sad. I mean, do do you get that impression? Sometimes, yeah, I think so. I think there's all types of different. Um, you know, feelings on the album, but melancholy was probably uh, one of the aspects, yeah, maybe that's how it sounded to you also. I feel like um, everyone I talk to gets something different out of the album, it's super interesting. Like some people are like, oh my god, I really need to go to the club now and I want to like, you know, experience the club feeling again after hearing this, and some people are like, hey, you man, this is like a lot of melancholy, a lot of sad parts. So I, that's really cool to me, you know, um, also hearing people's favorites, like everyone has a different one. So I feel like it, it um, provokes different uh, reactions in people. Um, yeah. So it's like a mirror. I, I kind of want melancholy music, so that's what I get. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Or maybe that's maybe just my interpretation of what you're interpreting it as. So. <laughs> tweeting uh, and asking on social media about what people's favorite songs from the album are. Um, did you get any surprises that, that uh, any uh, responses that surprised you? Any things you didn't expect? Um, I, ex I expected to have, to, for people to have one favorite more than anything, I think. So I was surprised that in not having one favorite, but there being a lot of people saying different favorites, which was pretty cool. So, um, I don't know. I I think there was a few that got like a few songs that got more um, love than others, but in general, um, I quite got quite a few different responses. So I was surprised about that positively, anyway, because that's kind of cool. And did many people agree uh, agree with me? Your favorite was Melancholy Princess. It was indeed, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people said that actually. Good. So, that and Low Orbit Iron Cannon was also favorite, which is cool. Um, yeah, a few of them. <laughs> so another another thing I really like about the album um, is that it has what I would actually say uh, are songs. I mean, you've always had like brilliant melodies and beats and effects and that kind of thing. Whereas I think, and I've not tested out this theory, but I think there are some <laughs> songs on there you could actually play on the acoustic guitar if you tried. Did you? Um, yeah, <laughs> go ahead, sorry. Did, did, again, was that conscious? Did you think like, I'm gonna write things that are, that, that are more like songs or did it just, again, just come? Um. Songs as, to po as opposed to club tracks or like this? Yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of just came like, I, I kind of, the way it works is like I sit down, I feel something and I make it, you know, if it's like a sample or a melody or, or drum, a rhythm or like particular drums or whatever, and I work from there, I really sit down and say, okay, 
I want to make this type of song or I want this to sound like that, you know? It really, it happens sometimes, but not really. So in a sense, um, I think all my production kind of comes that way. So um, I, what I did want, yeah, I guess what I did want the album to be is like, yeah, I guess I did, I do mix. Well, I just wanted it to be an album, you know, and not like club tracks, I suppose. Maybe that's what a, I don't know, it's hard to say. I think, yeah, I just work from the inside what, what, what happens, happens, you know, more than anything. I mean, don't, but, um, I, love, I love club tracks, don't get me wrong, but- it, I just... Me too, yeah, me too. And I think some of the songs can be played in the club anyway, you know, so yeah. I just wanted every song to be great on its own. So um, maybe with club tracks and some if you make an appear made for club music, it kind of makes sense if you play the tracks after each other or something, but like I really want every song to be great on its own. And I suppose that um, is what made them songs. <laughs> I'm not sure if you could play them on the guitar though. I'm not sure if that's possible with the way I set up the synths and everything, which is a lot harder than I thought because we were, um, well, we were um, experimenting with, uh, for a synthesis album to record with some live strings. So it's quite a different process. Um, using live instruments than using your synthesizers and your computer, so. Because you realize that you're not using something that can be easily recreated on an actual uh, physical Exactly. Yeah. yeah, which is why I enjoy using the computer also, because you can really do anything almost. So it gives you all the freedom of the world to make any melody that you would like to hear, or any drums, you know, so, um, yeah. Do you, do you get into micro-tuning and things like that? Um, yeah. hmm? What's microtune? It's, it's when you kind of use the notes in between the traditional notes. Like if you think you have like a G and a G sharp or something like that. Oh, I think I do, yeah. Um, but not consciously. I really like Scott Storch and I think there's a lot of influence there. So he did that a lot. Um, <laughs> which is probably, um, yeah, definitely, I think so. But. Um, not consciously anyway. I just kind of like go with the flow. Sort of, um, maybe it go is related with the 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 songs or the feel of songs on the album. But you sing a lot on it, um, and although um, the vocal is still treated and, and goes through effects, it feels to me like maybe there's less effects at the moment, and it's closer to your. Um, your un unprocessed voice. Um, is, is that true? I mean, is it more, does it sound more like your your voice, your natural voice? Um, I think so. I definitely do process all of them in some fun ways. But um, I don't know. I didn't try to have my untreated voice on the book, on the album anyway, because I'm not really interested in doing that with my, with my voice. You know, I know how to, you know, manipulate voices and be creative with it. So I wanted to use that a lot, um, you know. Try things out, be creative, what can I do with my vocal? Um, you know, I think, yeah, that's kind of what the, the motivation behind it. And if you could choose somebody else to sing one of your songs, who would it be? One of my songs? Yeah. I don't know if I would want to ask somebody else to sing one of my songs, but I would like to collaborate with a few people for sure. Um, for example, Oh my god. One of my favorite singers is Ty Dawson, for sure. 
That would be amazing, like getting to work with him. I would probably want to make something that really suits him though. You know, I wouldn't want to get to all the and try to make my songs because like he's a completely different um, instrument that I could use to my advantage, you know? Because he has an amazing voice that I really love, so. Because when you do work with, with vocalists like Zoe, for example, mm-hmm. um, do you very consciously make something for them? It's not, it, or, or do you bring in sort of beats you've already you've already made before? Um, I usually make something for them because it's it's like unless I have something that really fits. You know, sometimes you have some demos and you're like, okay, I I make this one to fit more for that person, but it, the original idea came before the collaboration. Um, but usually I try to make something custom fit because it, it makes more sense, you know? You can't send the same uh, instrumental to, I don't know, to Backroad G than you can send to Beyonce, although that would be really cool. Hearing Beyonce on some crazy UK-inspired thing, you know? I think we're almost at the stage where, you, where like, you never know, like, it could happen. I know, that'd be cool. I would love to hear that. <laughs> so this, this this is a horrendous question, and I don't know if you'll be able to answer it, but do you have a favorite <laughs> song on the album? No, I don't, actually. I, I quite like all the songs. I can't, I can't think of it really. Okay. Not really, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that, that's fair enough. That's, that, that, that's fair enough. Um, so I want to talk as well about Virtua. Yes. What, what is it? Um, Virtua is like a blueprint for the ultimate community space that we wanted to build. So like, um, it's supposed to be like a blank canvas for the best um, or the most meaningful interaction between people and a place for expression for artists and for musicians and for community. And it's currently, it's currently a virtual space, right? Sorry? It's currently a virtual space. No, 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 it's going to be a real space. But, but we built virtual before the pandemic happened and it just happened to come out during the lockdown where all the virtual pubs were popping up. But we're actually um, intending to build this IRL, so like build it as a real space, which is, it is intended to be because you can't really like the, the interaction that we, um, between people or between uh, communities that we envision is impossible online for this space. So, um, yeah, we're trying to, trying to build it at some point. In Montreal or somewhere else? Um, probably. We'll see. I mean, we're here right now, so I love Montreal too. It has a great music um, scene and, and everything, so it would be an art anyway, so probably. One thing I... I... I've said this many times before, but I really love about um, your music, um, you and Sinjin, is you basically, you, you create your own worlds. Um, so uh, accompanying the album, there's there's visuals, there's videos, there, there's very many things. How, how important is that for you to, to, to create your own world? Um, pretty important, I think. Because I have a very clear, or both Stinchin and I, I think, have a very clear um, vision of how we want our music to sound and how we want our music to be 
presented or our projects to be presented. So in that sense, I think it's um, yeah very important to to have our own space, which is yeah what Fractal Fantasy is all about. You know, it's like a it's a creative platform for us to release um, our creative output exactly the way we want to. You know, so I think it's quite important for us. You take this to an incredible level, which I, I read that you've started working on 3D design, right? Yeah, I've done it a bit before, yeah, but during the lockdown, I learned like the whole, like a new software that I've built. Um, well, I collaborated with uh, on a visual for one Temple and Angels with a friend of mine with that software, so. <laughs> and I mean, in terms of world building, do you ever read a book or see a film and think, yeah, that is a very fractal fantasy book or that's a very fractal fantasy film like that, that works well with your with your world? Um, like visually or like conceptually or like... Conceptually, I suppose. You know, you just like, okay, I that think... fits in with what we're doing. Um, yeah, sometimes. Although I think, I think there's always aspects of movies or books or something that I see where I'm like, oh, this, this detail is very fractal fantasy, this idea is very fractal fantasy, but it could never be entirely fractal fantasy if me and Sinjin aren't involved, you know? I think that's sometimes, it's, it's really funny sometimes when people ask us, hey, who does your visuals? Or like, you know, because it's like, I think people don't realize how much we have our own hands in every visual or in every piece of music that's getting released. Um, like, I would love to be so amazing at delegating that I would be able to tell people exactly make this for me, you know, but in the end, there's only so much you can express with words. You have to kind of get your fingers in yourself, you know, and make it yourself before or so it gets really to be what you want it to be in a way. So I think, yeah, definitely inspiration comes from music and, and books, but um, I, will, I don't know if I ever saw anything that's exactly fantasy, but sure. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask, I mean, you, you and Sinjin obviously have a very close working relationship. Um, as you know, musical partners, life partners, etc., etc. Do you ever disagree on music? Like, do you ever hear a song and you're like, "That's brilliant." He's like, "No, that that's no, no, your songs." But like, I don't know, like, a... yeah, 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 no, yeah. I think sometimes we have a few notes, but we usually come around. But like, we we definitely disagree on some things <laughs> musically. And in your own music as well, or um, as in, if I make something, he doesn't like it. Yeah. I don't think that, no, I usually love what Sinjin makes and hopefully vice versa, unless he never, he totally didn't tell me about something. But um, no, it's like just um, from my perspective, it's it's really incredible um, that I've lived with this person almost for 10 years now. Almost every day that I spent with him was in the last 10 years with him. So um, it's incredible to me that he comes up with music like his, um, that I find surprising every time, you know? It's amazing to see him create and to see him do things because it's like, he surprises me every time with his creativity. He's like genius, you know? So, I don't know. I don't think I've ever really disagreed with anything he did, to be honest. I always find it quite amazing. <laughs> I, I wanted to talk briefly about your live show. Um, I saw it in Sonar, um, we're trying to work out, I think it's three years ago, possibly two, which is a fabulous, um, live show with um, instruments you. you invented yourself and incredible visuals, which like kind of react to to what you're you're doing. I mean, just a, a brilliant live show. 
Thank you um, so much. <laughs> again, you, you do a lot of DJing as well, but how important is it to play live? Uh, it's it's very important, I think. Like the live show was just incredible. There's a very different connection we were able to have with the, with the audience um, than DJing or then also just releasing music, you know? I think um, the visual aspect being in a room made people very engaged also, and obviously the music, but the whole live show as a package, I think, um, created quite a special feeling in the room that was quite important to me because it inspired me to be to do more and to like go forward with music and to like you know keep working it's very motivating to play live you played a lot obviously pre-pandemic um in china um yes which (laughs) is like a a fascinating place i mean again was that was that consciously making an effort because you wanted to go and play there or was it just like you got really good reactions to your music from there or and never consciously said, I want to go to China. It kind of just like happened because um, we have some friends there, and uh, one of our very good friends is, is our agent for Asia. Like, he runs, um, they co run, he co runs a cake shop in Seoul. So he has that connection. And apparently, um, our music in China and the underground is quite popular. So we had the opportunity to go there and to play shows there, and they went really well. So we went back, and it's really really incredible being there and playing shows there. it's like absolutely amazing so i'm really grateful for that because correct me if i'm wrong but you didn't just play beijing you went and played like smaller uh cities which stuff yeah small of like million people yeah yeah no we played like i think i actually i'm not sure of the number but like 10 or 12 different cities i think yeah, it was really crazy. But yeah, as you say, it's like smaller cities, but they end up having 12 million inhabitants or something. But how, how do they react to sort of your, your music there? Because I, I've, never, I've never been. Um, yeah. So I've got, I've got no idea what the club scene is like, what the mm-hmm. electronic music scene is like. How, how does it go? How does your music go across? Do they get, do they get the references? I'm not sure if they get the references. All, all the time, a lot of them surely do, but um, it's really great playing there. Like there's such a, um, what I most enjoy, I think, is that there's such a open-mindedness to music, you know? So um, a lot of the people in the audience afterwards can just say, hey, what is it, this music that you play? I don't know about this. Can you please tell me more about it? You know, this like thing, like, I don't know about this, but I still want to learn about it. And I'm really like interested in this thing that I don't understand, which um, I think in the West, that's a spirit that kind of got lost a little bit where um, it's a bit of a, I feel a bit of an apprehension sometimes of like, oh, I don't understand this. I don't know if I want to dance to it, you know? Instead, in China, it's like, oh, I don't understand this. This is exciting. I want to hear more, you know, like give me all of it. So it's like a very um, cool feeling if you have a very curious crowd that's very open to what you do and you can really play with them, you know? That's, that's something I really, really enjoyed. And just like, like celebration for culture also and for like just i don't know it makes a very um uh, palpable feeling in the room if you have people that are attentive and are curious and are open you know so that was do they ever give you demos or anything 
need local artists when yes when... many i stayed in touch with many of them anyway that i met and we sent music back and forth and there's some really cool really 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 cool stuff coming out of there um from all different pla- uh, places in china it's a huge country anyway so Obviously, you're not playing live, live to audience. Well, not to audiences at the, at the moment, but you've got a new no. um, live show. Um, what can you tell us about that? It's not really a um, live show. It's kind of um, what we wanted to do with Dream Rooms is um, showcase the development of our new life set which we're working on so um it's a pretty rare insight into uh the development process and what that entails where we're at with the app you know and in a sense it's like very very experimental because um when you're developing a new life so you have to be really open to experimentation in order to um you know have new ideas and 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 go down different roads or maybe come up with uh different techniques that you haven't used before, you know? So it's a super experimental performance of, yeah, experiments that we've been working on during lockdown and, and, um, and which will inform, which will or maybe not inform our new life show. We'll see what sticks and what doesn't. <laughs> I, I forgot to ask about this earlier when we were talking about the album, but um, yes. tell us about a Tentacle Porn? Yes. What do you want to know? <laughs> what is it? And I mean, how have you interpreted it into your your work or your your sort of visuals? Yeah. Well, Tentacle Point is something that's been around since the eighties, I think, in Japan. Um, it's Japanese. It's um, and it's born out of censorship because the artists that first uh, were inventing Tentacle Point were. Um, drawing it because from what I remember is they were not allowed to picture two naked people together unless there was a blanket on top of it or something. So you couldn't depict penetration. So um, there was this artist called, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly, but I'm trying, uh, Toshio Maeda. And he um, had the idea of, okay, how can it depict penetration without two people being close to each other? So I just put them far away, and he was also very, he was also very um, inspired by monsters. So he was like, I put them far away, and I have the male character have like weird tentacles and whatever, and then I can also depict a penis because it is a tentacle; it's not a penis, right? So you can like play around censorship, and this is how it started. And I think people were really into that, and then the, it became huge, not only in Japan but also worldwide, because people got like a really big tentacle fetish, I think. And like the um, way I got into it was because we are working on a video game for Practice Net Fantasy. We've been doing that for a couple of years. And um, a few years ago, we were researching uh, characters that we can use in the game, like what characters do we like, um, what do we don't like. And um, uh, I stumbled across uh, these 
Japanese um, erotic video games, the interactive games that you where you can uh, customize your own character and make your own girlfriend. And I really liked the characters in one of the games. And then I got deeper into it and discovered um, these forums that are full with people modifying these video games. So they're actually taking the characters out of the game and are modifying the game to make it more uh, customized to what their fetish is or what they want to see. And that I found super interesting because that's super hard to do. It's not like very easy to modify a game, right? So it takes a lot of dedication um, to really get into it and to do it properly. So um, one of the subgenres of, of the modifying video erotic, like erotic video games uh, was technical porn, which I found really interesting because it's really creative because you can play with so many things like gravity or whatever, you can create so many things that aren't real and I really like that. And it was also, it's not very gory most of the time, it's also super beautiful and also very, not, there's not penetration going on all the time. There's like some shots that are completely artistic and very, very beautiful and I, I love the um, obsession that the creators have with it, you know, because they like, um, they have this vision and this fantasy that they really want to see and they need to see it so bad that they need to go through all these steps and difficulties to make it, you know, and that, that I love that. That's such a pure um, drive for, for creating and for creating art, I think. So that's something I was super inspired by. So I wanted to be the version of it, basically. Uh, uh, one final question. Again, this is another sure. very, very difficult one, but like, um, what song of yours would you play to someone to sort of, um, explain what it is you do. From my album or in general? In general. Wow, that's hard. At the moment I would probably show Paranoid if I had okay. to show some, someone. And why but that? But then I changed. I don't I really like the song. I think there's so many ideas that I really love about it. So, um, and then I have been incorporating a lot of my music not only in that song, so it kind of could be um, an overarching example of what I'm doing. But, you know, that's my subjective thing that I would choose. I think your fan would probably choose something else. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you for having me. I hope uh, if we're all able to travel around soon enough and we can get back to clubs and going out and things like that. But uh, Yes, that would be great. And congratulations on the album. It's a fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that.